It's, it's very intimate relationship. A lot of things are changing constantly. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable with them changing things. On the contrary, I want them to move. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley and is sponsored by Hillel Stanford, Upwest, and Hippo Insurance. Hello, everyone. For episode 153, we have none other than Rona Segev, a founding partner at TLV Partners, currently focusing on cloud computing, AI, and cybersecurity. She led the investment and is on the board of various companies that span over a dozen exit events, including Veronis, SkyCure, PureSec, and SalesPredict. Previously, Rona was a general partner at Pitango and Evergreen and was head of the enterprise software sector at both funds. Her journey began as a successful entrepreneur herself in the gaming industry. Okay, Rona Segev, thank you so much for being on my show, 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? Good. Thank you for inviting me. I, I am so honored to have you here. Uh, we've been trying to do this for a while, and I'm so happy that you feel better and that we're finally getting to do this because you're one of the leading investors in Israel, founding partner at TLV Partners, one of the leading investor funds in Israel, but you were also a general partner at Pitango with countless of successful investments over the past years, uh, both in the Israeli tech industry and outside of it. Rona, who are you? So give, give me a little bit of background as to who you are and how do you get to become a, a leading investor? Oh, uh, <laughs> who am I? Uh, I uh, it's just I the first question. About... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you about how I started my career, which is kind of like weird. I started by learning psychology and philosophy in the Hebrew University, nothing to do with high tech. Uh, when I was 24, uh, I had this crazy idea to, to do something in computers, uh, it was 95. We didn't have VCs in Israel back then, and I didn't know the world uh, a startup. Uh, so everything was really, really new. But I found someone who was crazy enough to give me 200K, and we started. And eventually what we did was we, did, we, we were a company that was developing uh, shoot-em-up games, like really hardcore gaming kind of uh, company. Uh, we, we developed three games. One of them even became kind of a hit. Not a big hit. <laughs> okay. There is even a retro about it. You can uh, <laughs> look up uh, the internet if you want to embarrass me. It's called Virus. Uh, <laughs> and then I sold the company when I was 27. Uh, wow. I'm then pregnant with my first set of twins. So I have two sets of twins. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Two, set, two sets of twins. Wow. Yeah. And the main reason I joined the VC back then was because I thought to myself, well, you're now a young mom for at least two, three years. It's probably not very wise to, to be an entrepreneur again. <laughs> Let's do something you know, easier. Uh, <laughs> and this is why I joined the VC community. I joined Evergreen back then. Uh, Incredible. Uh, and so, so take me back because it sounds like there's a little bit of discrepancy between where you are at 24 and what you've studied to going into the gaming industry. What was the trigger there? Why why gaming? We started with something which was, the, the initial concept was taking Lego and putting it on computers. Uh, but at that time, there was something which was called edutainment. And we found ourselves inside this segment, which was a horrible segment, full of kind of multimedia CDs. 
And I, I just didn't like it. I thought to myself, we don't want to be there. Uh, and then we said, okay, let's take this robot that we're building with those Lego and let's go and fight. And, and we just basically kind of copied Doom and started to do games which are uh, very similar to Doom. And things, you know, uh, <laughs> followed each Wonderful. other, you know. And yeah, and very quickly we became a kind of a, a pure gaming company. And, and that is until you're 27 where you sell the company, you become a VC, and you, you start to invest in other companies. Talk to me a little bit about this this transition going from entrepreneur to an investor, and 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 what are some of the sort of thought processes that take you throughout this journey? So it was a very humbling experience, actually, because I was an entrepreneur in the gaming industry, and when I joined Evergreen, uh, we were dividing fields among us, and no one wanted enterprise software and security. It's funny, but back then... We're talking about 99, 2000. It wasn't considered to be a very good area to invest in. So, and I was the most junior, uh, the new, the new junior female partner. So, they gave me, kind of handed me this uh, segment to invest in. Uh, and I started to invest in enterprise software. I didn't know anything. So, and really, sometimes I apologize for entrepreneurs I met back then. Uh, because <laughs> they were sitting there and, you know, they were talking about all kind of like weird stuff. <laughs> which now are so natural to me. But back then, I, I just really, I didn't understand a word. I remember the first three months I was going back home to my husband every night and crying, saying, I will never understand what they're talking about. Wow. But, but I was just asking a lot. Of, I just started asking. I was asking questions constantly. And this is one thing that I've learned since. Never to be ashamed that you don't know something. You can learn, okay? Just, just tell the person, you know, I'm not familiar. Can you please kind of... Tell me more about it. And so the first year and a half, two years, I was basically listening, okay, and learning and going, you know, and became, you know, close friends with different entrepreneurs and different people in the industry. And I was just going and asking for explanations. Uh, wow. And then I started to invest. Uh, uh, and I was lucky, I must say, yeah, because I think when I started to invest in enterprise software and security, this was exactly the time, it was like 2002, uh, that those areas became hot areas in Israel. And, and right. most of the exit kind of became in enterprise software and security. And here I was, you know, in the, the perfect time, in the perfect industry, just starting right. my career. Uh, and very quickly, I started to have my exits. And, you know, the rest is history. And <laughs> Right. No, I think it's was- interesting because they say a lot that, you know, to, to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to, like, timing is one of the most critical aspects. It's not just about your team and about your your execution. It's about whether the market is ripe for your execution to to go into that market. And it sounds like that's a very similar experience to what you had as an investor. You're coming in, it's 2002, the cybersecurity space and enterprise space is booming in Israel, and you get to be there just as you're, you've built the confidence, right, to, to start making these investments. And so one of the things that we chatted previously just a little bit about, and, and I'd love to elaborate here, is this whole notion of, of what it takes to succeed in the field that you're in. Uh, while I'm sure that a lot of times it may be cutthroat and it's very competitive, uh, I, I read in a few in a few places your take on on the type of personality that you can be as you go about your journey. So talk to me a little bit about about that. I think one of the things that I didn't like about my career and I didn't like about the industry, and I'm not talking specifically about Israel, although we see it a lot in Israel. But I also I'm working a lot with VCs in the U.S. and I see it also in the U.S. and is, is a culture which is very, very aggressive. Uh, and I call it very kind of focused on short-term optimization. And 
the reason I'm calling it short-term optimization is because sometimes I feel that whenever two people are in the room kind of arguing about something, someone has to win, no matter what are the consequences. And it doesn't matter even if it's kind of like how much you get for your lunch every day or, or covering your travel costs or stuff, stuff like that, which are right. totally insignificant to the company and can really damage the company if the employee feel that they're not getting enough. But still, just because of the dynamics of, of kind of power in the room, uh, a lot of many times there it's very uh, hurtful at the end of the day to the company. I felt it also in the relationship between VCs and entrepreneurs. If you think about it, kind of like really like if you take all the noise and just focus on the essence of our job, the only way that we can be successful is if our companies and our entrepreneurs will be successful. And right. really is everything about VC investment. So if you start playing around with your entrepreneurs, firing them, kind of the chances of your companies to, to be successful are just reduced dramatically. So basically you are investing in people and you're Really, the, the the aim of this investment and what will make me successful is that if my entrepreneurs will be successful and everything is built around that. And so I didn't understand why people are fighting with their entrepreneurs so much, why they're trying kind of to squeeze them out of things, why they're not creating this alliance of interns uh, and working right. together. This was something that really bothered me for many, many years. And this was one of the drivers of starting TLV Partners um, to prove to myself, first of all, that. We can, you can be very successful and not work uh, and, and work differently. Uh, sometimes I think that people are seeing too many American movies and we are too much influenced by TV that, you know, like the su successful figures are always kind of like really vicious and aggressive and totally concentrated on their needs. Uh, and and we just, we grow up thinking that this is the only way to be successful, okay? Uh, and I actually, because I was, you know, I grew up in Jerusalem, I just truly believe that it's not true, that actually working with people in collaboration and creating a win-win environment will actually right. create a situation where people want to work with you again and again. They recommend their friends and and it's just so much, you know, it's, it's, it's just fun working like that. It's just everyone enjoys working together instead of suffering and kind of like being in conflict, constant conflict. A hundred percent. So the the forming of TLV Partners today, uh, every entrepreneur in Israel and and many abroad know of TLV Partners. But talking about the, the early days, so going back to just the, just starting out. Previously, you were at Pitango, another wonderful in, investment firm in Israel. Uh, and what? So so I understand the trigger to form TLV Partners. It's your own. There's a different mentality. You're defining the culture. It's, so a lot of entrepreneurs that I talked to, they're talking about how culture was one of the things that they set out to 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 right, concentrate on from day one. You're saying also it's the same thing in VC. I want my partners and myself to have a certain culture with our founders. What are some of the greatest challenges and maybe joyous events of, of starting TLV Partners and throughout this journey? So the first thing was just going out and pitching this message, as I just told you, to LPs, to our investors. Right. And I was really scared. I thought that they're looking to see people, you know, like with knives, kind of like walking around, like blood, kind of like <laughs> from their mouth. And, and I was afraid that they would look at me and say, she's weak, okay, or she's too nice, or it won't work. Right, right. Uh, 
turned out, and, and, but we were very true to our message because really we, we, we actually really believed, and this is something that we wanted to do, and it was very important to us that RLPs will understand what is the culture that we're trying to build. It turned out that just like two or three years before, uh, many of the LPs started to realize that VCs that are actually following this type of culture are more successful or are as successful as very kind of tough and <laughs> cruel VCs because the entrepreneurs like them, because they recommend others to come and get their money because overall the experience working with them is more pleasant. So entrepreneurs are more focused on building the company and not fighting with the VCs. So right. actually it was received very well, this message, which was a big surprise, a very pleasant surprise to both Aitan and me. And we raised our, our first fund very quickly. Uh, it took us a few months to raise $110 million. Uh, for Israel, this is amazing. You know, at that time, yeah. this was 2015, VCs were raising funds for like three years. So it took them like three years to raise the fund. So, uh, and we raised like from wow. really, really top tier in the US. So it was, I remember when we, we did the closing, I was so happy. I was like, couldn't believe that. <laughs> we made, it's like an entrepreneur raising a fund. It's totally, right. you know, we have our own investors. We're going out there kind of like asking for money. If someone is saying no, Many times it's just because they don't like us. <laughs> right. uh, it's similar, actually. Yeah. What is the how, how is your relationship with with the founders that you invest? And in? I know quite a few of them, and so I, I know that it's a wonderful relationship. But but I'd like to know a little bit about your side of it. So as a as a, as a VC, you know, you get to meet with your entrepreneurs once in a while. You get to help them on their journey. They go. You're in the trenches with them, obviously, in a lot of the cases. What are some of the key points in time that, that you're valuable for the entrepreneurs that work with you? So first of all, it's really important to say that it's very different with each entrepreneur because they are different people. So like, it's just like with everyone, you know, like you have one personality and another personality and there is kind of a natural connection. Sometimes it goes one way. Sometimes it's very intimate. Sometimes it's just very friendly. It really depends. Some of them are calling me like 20 times a day. Some of them are calling me once a month. And, and we have always, we have, I, I book an hour for, for each entrepreneur uh, every week and, and they know they can cancel it whenever they want. I don't care. It's for them. It's not for me. Okay. I get a free hour. It's fine. <laughs> right. So, uh, so this is something which is really important because, uh, and, and those relationships are also changing with time. Uh, so as we get to know each other better, they're becoming more intimate and kind of like, uh, and, and different. And, and, and this is something which for me is important because those are real relationships. It's not something that you just turn on and off. It's kind of like real friendships and, and they're there forever. One of the things that they know is that I really do care and not just about the company, but also about them personally. I do believe that people and companies are interconnected. <laughs> uh, and I think that happy entrepreneurs are better entrepreneurs. And I really like the entrepreneurs I invest in. I insist on investing in people that I like. I really personally like. So we're going to have That's fun amazing. working together. <laughs> wow. But, but how, do you, how do you go about the due diligence process? Then? How, do you, how do you find that connection? Because even if you do get to meet them a, a few times, a, I imagine that the scenario, you know, through, um, through the limited experience that I now have, with a venture fund that I work with, you know, you get to build some sort of repertoire and relationship with the, with the founders, but it's still in the context of, you know, three or four meetings. It doesn't, it's not like going camping with them and seeing them, you know, in, in necessarily 
in their true 100% colors, right? So, so it sounds like there's a little bit of a challenge there to really find the, the personal fit, or maybe I'm wrong. No, 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 it is. Listen, I, I invest mainly in seed companies, and I really like new markets, okay? So markets that do not exist yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a real problem in investment. Think about it. So first of all, I invest in people, and, and I love first-time entrepreneurs, so I think 70% <laughs> of my investors are first-timers. So I invest wow. in people that have no track record, okay? So I can check their track record. In markets that do not exist, so there's not a lot of point talking to customers, a lot of times they don't know what I'm talking about even. So most of the time um, goes to working with the entrepreneur. So it's, it's, it's a weird. So really, honestly, my due diligence is very intuitive and it's a lot about how I feel about the people. And if I think that they're really bright, very open, um, very transparent and we can work together. And I call it going together to an adventure because I know that everything is going right. to change. The only thing that will not change is the group that is working together. Uh, this is why I also like to invest alone in the seed stage because it's, it's very intimate relationship. A lot of things are changing constantly. I don't want them to feel uncomfortable with them changing things. On the contrary, I want them to move. Uh, and I want them to, to kind of brainstorm with me, but tell me that I'm wrong or I'm stupid and feel comfortable saying that and insist on doing their own way because they're the one who are going to be blamed eventually if it's not going the right way. So they have to take the decisions. There is a circle of kind of responsibility uh, and authority that has to be closed together. And so it's really important that they'll take the decision. So they need to be very comfortable with me and not think that right. I'm kind of like I'm telling them what to do. So it's a combination. I learn a lot about people when I'm doing the negotiation on the term sheet with them. Uh, the way we, I'm doing negotiations is actually very funny. I come with the cup table and we play with it together and I find a very fair deal to everyone. And with most interviews, you, you come like, with a what? What did you say? We have an interactive cup table, so we just come and we just play with the numbers. Okay, gotcha. It's kind of like, it takes between two to three minutes, okay? It really depends how long it can, because it's really Really? easy. Yeah, because I know that I I don't want to dilute them too much, and they need a certain amount of money, and we need some ease off. So it's actually very, you know, everything about VC entrepreneurs relationship is actually really, really simple. Uh, and then you see some entrepreneurs are just so happy to see this approach. And like in five minutes, we close the deal and we move on. And some entrepreneurs will try to optimize. And, and those entrepreneurs are usually shy away because my kind of attitude, you can take advantage of me. Okay. So I kind of take care. I work with people that enjoy this kind of attitude, kind of like giving and they give back and we just enjoy working together. Uh, so it's for that that I make mistakes, but it's very rare actually. I work with a really great group of people. And then Rona, that's just uh, that's just inspiring. I can imagine in my head the situation, you know, what uh, one set of you know the, the regular VC experience that I think every young entrepreneur imagines is you know, sitting coming with suits, negotiating over a table, sending emails and over weeks trying to decide on on those two percentage points here and there. Whereas you come, you meet at a coffee shop, do an interactive cap table and and, and give a hug and continue, well, a hug before Corona times, of course, and continue with the day. Uh, Rona, I, I can't believe 20 minutes are almost over, but I have two important questions before we leave. The first one is to me, uh, something that a young entrepreneur like myself or like a lot of my friends, either from 8200 or Stanford, what can we take with us from this personal 
insight that you've had of, of being sort of a mensch and being a, a good person going throughout our career, what, what, are some, what is something that we can keep in mind to, to try to do that to, with that aim? So first of all, believe, really, really believe in yourself and believe that it's okay to be fair and to be mensch and to be good. And it's not like you're weak. Sometimes, you know, like people around us will consider it weakness. It's not. It's actually being strong. And second, right. pick the right people around you, okay? You cannot be fair if you have people that are over-optimizing, that are manipulative around you. Pick the right people around you, people that actually enjoy this kind of culture. And then everyone will have so much fun working together. I, I, Amazing. I Amazing. Rona, last one. Three words that you would use to describe yourself. There is uh, this guy that I really like in the valley that looked at me like a year ago and told me, you're such a strange bird. So this is your <laughs> I love it. I love it. Rona, thank you very, very much. This was inspiring. Uh, just love getting to know you better. And, and I look forward to coming one day with, uh, with my own uh, idea and potentially collaborating together. This is uh, it's just wonderful what you're doing there. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey.